was a six-year-old kid growing up in East St. Louis when he opened his first bank account. It was with a credit union, and it set him on a lifelong path of saving. I had a piggy bank that was busting at the uh, at the seams, so to speak, and they said we need to go and, and open you a savings account. was blessed to have parents who already were in mainstream banking. But too many people in places like East St. Louis aren't being reached by banks. And that's something that Alex Fenoy, as an adult, is working to change. He works for Midwest Bank Center in St. Louis. And the American Bankers Association recently honored him with its George Bailey Distinguished Service Award for those efforts. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Alex Fenoy, welcome. Well, thank you, Sarah. Good uh, good afternoon to you. So first off, congratulations on this award. This is a big deal. Did you know you were even up for this? So I did know that uh, there's an application uh, that you have to put in. Uh, so, we, you know, I gave uh, our internal team some information, and then they, they put the application in. And this is months prior. And... Kind of how I'm set, I you know I thought you know okay you know, I'll put it in. I know the work that we've done, but I, I'm, I'm humble, and uh, so I honestly didn't think about it again. <laughs> and four or five months later, uh, they reach out to uh, to my boss, which is phenomenal, uh, to Orvin Kimbrough, and uh, and and he calls me and and says he has some fantastic news, and he tells me and. Uh, uh, it, it was just a great day. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I kind of knew, but then it was a deep in the recesses of my mind for five, six months. I, yeah, I didn't think about it again. You know, sometimes you get nominated for something and you keep thinking, oh, I wonder if I got it. I wonder if I got it. It sounds like you were able to emotionally just move right on. And, and this was almost felt like a surprise then when, when you got it. It, it really was. That's a great uh, uh, depiction of, of how it happened. I Because it, I don't think of it as just myself. It's a lot of people um, that have at the bank from the from the stubs to the uh, our legal board to the, the rest of my cohorts on our executive team and every person uh, at Midwest Bank Center and every partner that we've worked with. I've been working with for almost 11 years. I don't look at it as Alex's award. I look at it as all of ours. Well, I want to talk about that work at Midwest Bank Center in just a moment. But first, I want to go back to your childhood. You were in East St. Louis. What first brought you to a credit union? Uh, my parents. Uh, my parents are uh, retired educators. So there was uh, a teacher's credit union, which is now, I believe, Vantage, hmm. you know, through iterations. Um, so that's where they had their accounts. And I had a piggy bank that was busting at the uh, at the seams, so to speak. And they said, we need to go and, and open you a savings account. And uh, it kind of went from there. So that's a blessing in and of itself. And a lot of times in an urban environment uh, like in East St. Louis, not, not everybody uh, was blessed to have parents who already were in mainstream banking. And, and you know, they just said, we're going to go do this. And there was no fight. Of course. Mm-hmm. And did you have something in mind at that point? Like, oh, I'm going to be saving up for college. Or was this just, this was just, hey, let's let's get this money somewhere safe? No, I always had in me, even before the account, uh, that 
it, it was something about saving, even if it wasn't saving for anything. Hmm. Um, so just an example of that, I can re- remember even before the account, so four or five years old, if uh, my grandmother or, or my parents or uh, an aunt or uncle gave me a quarter, so I'm, I'm making myself feel like an old man here. <laughs> uh, I'm 52. A quarter actually meant something then. Uh, so it's pre-inflation. <laughs> yes, yes. I would take the quarter and and think about I'm going to spend maybe a nickel and I'm going to save 20 cents. Hmm. I'm four years old. I, I didn't want to spend all of my money. Uh, and even though I had no concept of saving for this, that or the other. So I just think that was innately in me. You were uh, born to be reason. a banker. Did when did you realize that <laughs> that this was savings was actually going to be your career? Later uh, in college, uh, because I, so you transition. I thought I was going to be a dentist hmm. from about. I had a lot of deep thoughts at five or six, I guess. So again, around the same age, the first time I went to a dentist. I asked my, my uh, I think my mother took me, it was my mother, uh, and I asked her, you know, what, what, what is his name? And I was, my question was really, what's this name of this profession? Hmm. And she knew that it wasn't his name. So she said, he's a dentist. And I said, I want to be a dentist. So from then through probably going into my junior year of college, I was on the path to be a dentist. And, um, uh, where it changed is I was also taking business courses and accounting courses hmm. because at this point I knew that you, you ran your own business if you're a dentist. So I needed to have that. But I had much more of a passion for the business courses and the accounting courses. So I changed my major. And, and as they say, the rest is history. So I understand it. it's only in the last 11 years that you've been working on these community development initiatives. What was your focus in your career before that? Um, yeah, that's a, so I, the, the way I like to say it is I, I've had a kind of a, a twin city career in banking. The, the first, I get my math straight here, uh, 17 years was, uh, was really commercial lending, mm. uh, all, all levels from your large corporate middle market, uh, to business banking, I've done all of that either myself or managed teams of, of, of commercial lenders. Uh, all throughout the St. Louis region. The last 11, the commercial lending is still a big part of what we do in CED, but it's expanded to all of the different banking lines and, and units within the bank and then, and then trying to make sure that particularly Midwest Bank Center is the same great bank in Chesterfield as we are in North City or East St. Louis. Hmm. I understand when you first came to Midwest Bank Center, you were one of just two black employees. What was that like? <laughs> uh, sad, sad to say it was the, the norm. Hmm. Um, you were used to um, that in, in banking in general, you mean? Yes, hmm. everywhere, um, especially especially on the commercial side of, of the house. Um, very few ethnically diverse uh, commercial lenders, really at any bank. Uh, I, I won't say the whole country because I don't know about the whole country, but in St. Louis. So, and, and so I was used that to that. Is? that. That seems like something where, you know, it just feels like diversity should come naturally to that field. Um, no, it won't, um, because you, you typically interview and reach into your networks. And if your networks are only 
um, like you. So, for instance, if you're a, a white man and most of your network is other white men, you're going to know and, and your connections, their sons, their uh, cousins, uh, you know, people that work at their company are going to look exactly like you. So mm -hmm. you have to make the change and then uh, then you will start to get uh, diversity. And, and it's not just diversity. It, it, it's inclusion and equity. So it can't just be you know, at the lowest levels. Everybody's job is important. So I don't mean low from not being important, but um, low from from not being a supervisor or a manager or an executive. It, it doesn't work if everybody at the lower spectrum uh, is diverse, but no, none of the other layers. So, mm -hmm. Do you so think and that's. that's Sorry. That hasn't changed today. It has changed at some places, but it's still prevalent in 2021. Has that changed at your employer at, at Midwest Bank Center? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. We uh, have gone from, even in the beginning, because most of our original uh, ethnic, or, or I'll just go straight to it, Black employees we had, I brought in. So I knew everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, today... Uh, I haven't brought in every <laughs> every black person at the bank is not a direct link to uh, to Alex Fenoy. And and that's uh, and that's been for several years. Yeah, and so so we're absolutely uh, living uh, what we talk about. So it's an it's an example with our executive team. Our executive team is 70 percent uh, minority. Hmm. And, and that's and that's three African-American men and, and, and four Caucasian women, uh, which is unheard of. I don't know any other financial institution in the market that's anywhere close to that. Hmm. And then all the way through our organization, through the bank, uh, our uh, ethnic diversity uh, exceeds the, the, the uh, demographics of the population in the St. Louis region. So, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about the diversity amongst uh, bankers, but there's also a real issue here of there being so many people who are unbanked within the, the St. Louis area. These are people who don't have even the most basic access to these kind of services. Do you think the lack of diversity among people working in banking has played a role in the fact that so many people in the community don't feel a connection or don't know how to get started on a bank account? Sarah, that, that's a great point, and I do agree with it. It's not the single. Uh, there is, it's a multifaceted problem, uh, but that is one of the problems that has historically been in the way. Uh, some of the others is uh, a lack of trust. Uh, some of the others is just not convenient because we're not in, and, and I mean, uh, as, a, as an industry, uh, typically we're not located in uh, those communities. Uh, so there, there's a lack of access there. Uh, uh, another component to it is um, because we don't have the trust, not there, you don't know the products and services that you need to bring those individuals in. Hmm. Uh, now, one thing I will say, St. Louis collectively since uh, 2009 uh, has made tremendous progress in that front, uh, not just Midwest Bank Center, a lot of, of fellow financial institutions and in making progress in that point, but all of it uh, were uh, problems. And, and I'll say a final one is in a lot of the communities where there's heavy, heavy unbanked and underbanked, which is not only in LMI areas, it's across all economic 
lines, but it's it's more prevalent in LMI areas. Uh, there there's easy access to predatory uh, options. So so what I mean there is it may not be a bank or a credit union, but it's seven check cashing places or um, things of that nature. And 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 so it's lack of one piece, but then easy access to the other. That's not the best for you. And Alex, when you refer to LMI, that's lower middle income customers. Um, these are the ones just... I'm sorry. You're uh, low, uh, low or moderate income. Uh, it's low, moderate, middle, upper. Okay. And the, the bottom two are the low and moderate. Are, are so, so Alex, do you think uh, banks are aware that they're missing out on customers, that you know, serving this community better might also be good for their own bottom line? I'd, I'd like to think <laughs> that as an industry, we are aware of that, uh, of that fact. Uh, but sometimes it, it, it seems like uh, the, the evidence is, is that we uh, that we aren't uh, aware. And, and then it also leads me to that. You know, I'd hate to think of the other thing. If we are aware and then we're choosing not to be a part of it, then that's a little more nefarious. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it. it I don't want to be cynical, but I think it's more of the latter because this work is one of the sayings I live by. It's not complicated, but it's hard. Hmm. So what I, what, what, I, what I mean by that is we know that some of the ways that we underwrite, some of the ways that as an industry, uh, they're, they're biased uh, in ways. Mm-hmm. So we know that. So how about let's work on how we can remove some of those biases. Not everything, because we're a for-profit and banks have very thin margins, so we can't have a lot of losses uh, in any way. So I'm not a proponent of just saying yes to anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have to put in the work to understand the changes that we need to make. And that's the hard part. Not complicated, but hard. So... uh, I think there's decisions being made that, you know, I'm going to scratch the surface and do enough, but I'm not going to do that hard part. We're talking today to Alex Fenoy. He's the Executive Vice President of Community and Economic Development for Midwest Bank Center in St. Louis. He's also the recipient of the George Bailey Distinguished Service Award. On the subject of sort of putting your money where your mouth is, uh, Midwest Bank Center recently pledged to make $200 million in community and economic development loans over the next five years. Up to 80% of that money uh, will be spent in the St. Louis area. Um, Alex, can we hold your bank to this? That seems like a huge investment. Oh, you absolutely can. You, you, you know, not only is uh, our majority shareholder, the, the Stupp family, uh, Orvin Kimbrough, our legal board, uh, our executive team, me uh, and individually, uh, all of the people at the bank, you, you can you can count on this. Uh, and it, that is a huge commitment and in, because in, scale matters. Right. So we're uh, banks always talk about themselves in, in, in the size of their assets. So we're a $2.3 billion asset bank as we're talking today. And uh, so $200 million is is you know, a little less than 10% of our entire capital. Hmm. That's huge. So that's a huge commitment. But well, it's even larger when you think, and uh, there's a, a, a an international bank, I'm not going to say their name, that made a similar commitment maybe uh, four months ago now uh, 
to what they're going to do over a five-year period. And, and their number, when you compare apples to apples, is 600 million. So they're about 500 times our size. And their commitment is only three times our commitment. Hmm. Was it hard to get uh, people within Midwest Bank Center to be on board for something this big? This must have been taking quite a lot of work. You know, it wasn't hard. It was uh, because we had already been on this path. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I, I'm going to use some, some license here and, and speak for, uh, for my CEO. Uh, this is a big part of his heart. And, uh, and, and he wanted to uh, not just double down, but uh, triple down in the work that we had already started when he came in. Uh, um, so uh, it's, it's, it's part of the Midwest Bank Center culture and our, and our heartbeat. Uh, it's absolutely important to the Stubbs and the legal board. And then when you have the uh, support of the CEO and chairman, and it's a part of, of what he wants to happen, not just for profits, uh, which is important to us, but not just for that, but because it's the right thing to do, um, then, then it wasn't hard at all to get buy-in across the board. So, Alex, you've been honored with this big award. This is named for George Bailey, the protagonist in It's a Wonderful Life. And he's shown in that movie what his hometown would look like without his lending. Hearing you talk today, hearing you talk about your CEO um, and just the good work you're doing, do you think bankers get a bad rap? Uh, <laughs> yeah, in, in some cases we do, uh, especially, you know, the, the latest example um when we went through the the Great Recession, 2008, 9, 10, um, all bankers were kind of merged into Wall Street banking, mm-hmm. which you know is completely unfair because they, probably every financial institution in St. Louis wasn't a party to any of the issues, and I'm including even your your your, your largest banks. Hmm. Uh, they really weren't a part of a lot of what happened with you know subprime lending. That was a specific, terrible segment that, again, especially the credit unions and and uh, uh, um, community banks like Midwest Bank Center, we were not in that at, at all. Mm-hmm. But we all got lumped in that we created the problem off of our greed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, some of it is 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 deserved and earned because we've known uh, for a long time that some of the communities I'll, I'll use my hometown. Uh, East St. Louis and, and North City and St. Louis, as an example, um, fantastic people there that we have not supported. And when I say we, I mean collectively as an industry. So some of it is earned, uh, but but not all of it. Do you ever find yourself thinking about that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, as you drive around town, thinking about how this town would be different? Uh, we could all be living in Potterville, if not for the community development efforts and, and efforts to get lending into the hands of the right people. You know, I, it's one of my favorite movies. And it's 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 funny that I didn't make that connection until winning the award. Hmm. Uh, so my driving around town... Um, in areas that that we want to support and, and help people live their best lives and make them be help them to be successful. Uh, my thought is always uh, looking at it as what it could be, but I never made the connection. And that's a movie that I probably watch, if not every year around the holiday season, ninety percent of the time. 
And and you're a banker. You never made that connection with, with what Jimmy Stewart does in that movie? <laughs> I did not. And especially with what I was doing. I think I was so focused on the work and 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 the help and then trying to be a good partner and then trying to encourage uh, even some of our competitors. Because if, you know, yeah, well, I, I want to be the leader in this space, but I want to help the community as much as I can. So I know there's a limit. There's just a capital limit to what all we can do, and we being specifically Midwest Bank Center. So I, I want to lead by example and want us to lead by example and encourage others to follow and be a part of the space because it, it turns the communities around faster. But no, I did. That, that's, but, but now I see it. Now you, now you will not be able to watch that movie the same way again. No, I won't. <laughs> well, Alex Fenoy, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and congratulations again on your on your award. Thank you, Sarah. It's been an honor and uh, I, I appreciate all the great work that you do. Listen to you often. So uh, it's it's an honor to be a part of here. Well, thank you. That that makes me happy to hear that, too. Um, Alex, again, is the executive vice president of community and economic development for Midwest Bank Center in St. Louis. He's also the recipient of the George Bailey Distinguished Service Award. More reporting from the St. Louis on the Air team is available at stlpublicradio.org. And be sure never to miss a conversation by subscribing to our podcast. You can find St. Louis on the Air on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts on the App Store. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Evie Hempel, Lara Hamden, Emily Woodbury, and Alex Hoyer. The audio engineer is Aaron Dorr. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.